Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the um, Old Testament podcast. We're going to do Exodus chapter 10 in this episode, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for for he hath hardened his hearts and the heart of his servants. Therefore I will show thee my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am the Lord. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts into thy coast, and they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill thy houses and thy houses of all thy servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor thy fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were up upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's servants said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed or ruined? And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God, but who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young, and with our old, with our sons, and with our daughters. With our flocks and with our herds will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as, or if, I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. That's an Hebrew Hebrew idiom, meaning you are bent on mischief. Not so, go now that, go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye, de- ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that this may come upon this may come up upon the land of Egypt, and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail hath left. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coasts of Egypt within the whole border. Very grievous were they. Before them there were no such locusts as they, neither after them shall be such. Hmm, I wonder if it's blowing from the east... And that's the direction that the Israelites are going. I wonder if the Lord was getting rid of the locusts so that the Israelites wouldn't have locusts to contend with in the desert. Huh, interesting. Verse 15, For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, and they did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. And there remained not any green thing in the trees for in the, or in the herbs of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. And he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind, which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coasts of Egypt. 
A very decided advance is to be marked in connection with the eighth stroke, for Moses and Aaron on the ground of Pharaoh's former confession of sin brought this message from God to him, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Similarly, Pharaoh's servants, warned by previous judgments, now expostulated with the king, and he himself seemed willing to let the male Israelites go for a short season, provided they left their families and flocks behind. On the other hand, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart had also so far advanced that on Moses' refusal to submit to conditions, the king burst into such daring taunts as, So be it, Jehovah be with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones look, for evil is before your faces, i.e., your intentions are evil, or perhaps it may be rendered so to it, Beware, for beware, danger is before you. Not so, go then, ye men, for that ye are seeking, the language evidently ironical and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. We give the literal translations, and thus it came that when Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, Jehovah brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night, and when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. Once more they were natural means which the Lord used, for the plague of locusts was common in Egypt, yet even the heathen used to regard this as a special visitation of God. In Scripture it serves as the emblem of the last judgments coming upon our earth, this plague, so much dreaded at all times, came now slowly from afar or from far off Arabia, upon the doomed land more grievous than such visitation had ever been known, and to the utter destruction of every green thing left still in Egypt. Goshen alone being again exempted, Pharaoh felt it, and for the first time not only confessed his sin, but, uh, but asked forgiveness, and entreated that this death might be taken away. Not for want of knowledge, then, did Pharaoh harden himself after that. Yet now also it was not repentance, but desire for removal of this death that had influenced Pharaoh. No sooner had his request been granted than his rebellion returned, or carried the storm literally carries the swarm of of locusts. Generally, it is not the east, but the south wind that brings the locusts from Ethiopia or Libya. It was purposely from a long distance that they were sent to show that Jehovah reigned everywhere. Verse 20, But Pharaoh hardened his heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed, or remain behind. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must give us, or leave in our possession, also sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not be an hoof be left behind. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. But Pharaoh hardened his heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, take thee to thyself, see my face no more. For in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well, or the Hebrew, as you have spoken. I will see thy face again no more. Once more unannounced came the ninth stroke, more terrible than any that had preceded. 
A thick darkness covered the whole land except Goshen. There was this peculiar phenomenon about it that not only were the people unable to see each other, but neither rose any from his place for three days. It was literally, as scripture has it, a darkness which might be felt. The darkness of a great sandstorm, such as the Kamsin, or southwest wind, sometimes brings in early spring only far more severe, intense, and long. Let us try to realize the scene. Suddenly and without warning, with the Kamsin rise, or Champson, the air charged with electricity draws up the fine dust and the coarser particles of sand till the light of the sun is is hid. The heavens are covered as with a thick veil, and darkness deepens into such night that even artificial light is of no avail. And the floating dust and sand enter every apartment, pervade every pore, find their way even through closed windows and doors men and beasts make for any kind of shelter, seek refuge in cellars, and out-of-the-way places from the terrible plague. And so, in utter darkness and, sh- and suffering, three weary nights and, th- and long days pass, no one venturing to stir from his hiding. Once more, Pharaoh now summoned Moses. This time he would let all the, pe- all the people go, if only they would leave their flocks behind as pledge of their return. And when Moses refused the condition, the king said unto him, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself, see my face no more, for in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. It was a challenge which sounded not strange in Moses' ear, for before this interview God had informed him what would happen, and directed that Israel should prepare to leave. And Moses now took up the king's challenge and foretold how, after those terrible three days' darkness, at midnight Jehovah himself would go out into the midst of Egypt and smite every firstborn of man and beast. Then would rise through the night a great lamentation over the land from the chamber of the palace where Pharaoh's only son lay a-dying, to that of the hut where, he, where the lowest maidservant watched the ebbing tide of her child's life. The three first verses of Exodus 11 must have been spoken to Moses before his last interview with Pharaoh. Verse 1 should be rendered, And Jehovah had said unto Moses, etc. They are inserted after chapter 10, verse 29, because they account for and explain the confident reply with which Moses met the challenge of Pharaoh. Evidently, 11 verse 4 and what follows form part of that reply of Moses to Pharaoh, which begins in 1029. If, as we have argued in this volume, the monarch under whom the exodus took place was Thorhines II, it is remarkable that he left no son, but was succeeded by his widow, so that in that night Pharaoh's only son was slain with the firstborn of Egypt. But in Goshen, all, the, all these three days was light and, jo- and festive joy. For while thick darkness lay upon Egypt, the children of Israel, as directed by God, had already on the tenth of the month, four days before the great night of woe, selected their paschal lambs and were in waiting for their deliverance. And alike the darkness and the, and the light were of Jehovah, the one symbolical of his judgments, the other of his favor. And uh, anyway, that's the end of the chapter 10, and I'll see you next time. Bye.